Hey, one, two, one, two. It's esoteric from Zarface swooping in. Check, check, check out my melody. I'm lounging with Luke Bailey with the fly fidelity. You know the deal. Peace. First, First I, I say, say, what, what we gonna, gonna do? do? Then you, you say, say, I don't know. What do you wanna do? What we gonna do? What you wanna, wanna do? do? I have an idea. You gonna dig this? The Fly Fidelity Podcast is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You wanna get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. Fidelity, credible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 24, featuring the legendary esoteric from Zarface. Join us as we talk about the brand new album with MF Doom, among so much more on this episode. Enjoy the conversation. You've mentioned fine-tuning a few elements on this project between finishing it last April and the months leading to the release. I was wondering how many of those tweaks were challenging after the passing of Doom? What were the biggest differences putting together Super Watt versus Zarvis meets Metal Face? Oh, uh, well, Super Watt was, was done uh, entirely before um, Doom had passed. So there, there were tweaks that were made, but they were made after the, the fact that we decided to postpone the album, but we decided to postpone the album because of the coronavirus and COVID-19. That, that, that's what shut down a possibility of releasing the album when it was, when it was finished in its initial state. So uh, I, one of the things we did, I, re, I re, re-recorded a couple of verses and I made, it, made them more timely and Dell jumped on the record too. Uh, so those are two part two things. But but as far as like the album itself, uh, it, w- it was already sent to manufacturing uh, long before anyone had any idea, uh, uh, other than you know his super immediate family that that doom had passed. Hey, hey, what's wrong with? You? Oh, yes. Behold, the armored one. A grown ass man, mine from a trash can. And he kept his rhymes as in line as a task cam. Whoops, like a flashbang, crashes a Zanvan. Made it with the stash cast and his black ass hand. Bring on the last man standing. He can hang. Did the shang-a-lang, then caught him. Kabang. I wanted to celebrate and talk about your previous collaborations with Doom as much as this latest release. And of course, it starts with the track Caban. What are your memories of working with Doom for the first time with that track? Well, you know, my man, Lewis Holiday, uh, one of my oldest friends, uh, he was a guy that was with me that I took to New York to photograph one of our sets in New York at the New Eurekan Poets Cafe. And that happened to be the first night that Zev Love X emerged as MF Doom live on stage. So it was Doom's first appearance as an artist after releasing, you know, his, his Fond of Them records with Bobito. This was right. his first appearance as Doom. But my man Lou captured a lot of, you know, a lot of the show that night. And we grew up as big KMD fans, but he was the guy that initially suggested we get Doom on an album, uh, on a Zarface album after the first one had dropped. And so Kabang, we were able to make happen. Um, and I was able to contact Doom through my man, Ethan Egon from uh, Now Again, Stone's Throw. He right. put me back into Doom and we were able to make things work for that record. And just doing one record was beautiful just one song we were so happy that we were able to connect the dots there because a lot of people saw some similarity between our sound and and doom sound that you know he pioneered um so that was the first record we had done i think that was 2014 when we actually made it 
uh, maybe 2015 when it dropped, 2016. Um, and then, you know, the rest, I guess, developed into a couple uh, albums. You mentioned similarities in your sound. And of course, just minutes ago, you mentioned his earliest come up with KMD. What about his influence on Zarface as a group and a, a reemergence for yourself in many ways, of course? Can you speak to the influence of Doom's reinvention as an artist and how that had an influence on your work and intentions to grow with Zarface? Sure. I think that um, his ability to reinvent himself. Uh, was a gi- giant uh, leap, a successful leap, and from Zev Love X and KMD to MF Doom, right? But I say that to say that his influence on me as a, an MC, a producer, somebody that you know likes to trigger samples and, and bring sound bites into into records. It's one of the things I, I find most fun about the art. Um, dates back to the Mr. Hood album, you know, so you can take what, what MF Doom does, but he's always been that creative from the beginning, right? So you take some of the skits on the Mr. Hood album, just anything you really find dating back to the first third bass album, that whole collective back then were always um, pushing the envelope with samples and adding things and just going that extra step to make the listener to engage the listener, I think, with with little um, things that would kind of tickle tickle your eardrums when when you could just put on a song with one four bar loop forever and just call it a day. These guys kind of went went the extra mile, and you know, one of our first records as Seven L and Esoteric was sampling the Transformers with Be Alert. Uh, mm. You know, and I thought that that was kind of a you know, uh, unique thing to do. But if you do your homework, Doom had beat us to that type of thing too because he Scooby-Doo. So it's like, no matter how you look at it, Doom has had an influence on our career the whole way. And yeah. the way that, as a lyricist, the way that he plays with words and executes it is something that I don't think can be replicated by anyone else. And maybe some of the the things that people find appealing about our collaborations is that I sound nothing like Doom, Doom sounds nothing like Deck, and Deck sounds nothing like me. So it's it's three different voices, but we're all kind of coming from the same place of, uh, you know, things that we, we find valuable in life and entertaining in life, whether it be vintage cartoons or, you know, comic books or just straight up hip hop shit, you know? So how hands-on was Doom with the samples that the Zarkis use for this project specifically? I listened to this project and it sounds like there's a lot of conversations around these samples collectively. How much was this a collective collaboration in terms of the sound as much as the direction narratively, especially with Doom, of course, like you say, being a producer himself and having this experience with skits and revolutionizing that? I think we were able to uh you know flesh out a lot of our, our ideas with with doom and kind of understand the things that he might go for might be down down to do versus something that you know none of us had, had tried before so i feel like that on that Zarface meets metal face album we have a skit called close talker and that's something that i uh organized with doom and it was kind of an homage to the skits on Mr. Hood, where, uh, you know, they would speak to the the samples, the records, and talk about vehicles, jewelry, and, and so forth. And it, that was probably, you know, some of the greatest uh, moments. That one of the records that made me really curious about sampling and how it can work, it, you know, because I was very young at that age when that record came out. It might, it might have been ninety, ninety one. I'm not sure, but. Um, to have Doom speaking to this Zarface character on the Zarface meets Metalface album and working together with him to kind of make that that skit work uh, was very special to us and made the record you know unique in a sense where it wasn't just this thrown together uh, slapped together pasted record it was more of a collaborative um, 
venture. And, you know, Doom was very uh, on board with doing that and gave us a whole bunch of sound bites to work with, uh, you know, his own voice in order to create the skits. Um, so it's very cool. But yeah, you know, one thing about the Zarface and MF Doom albums, it, you, you had mentioned samples, like actual samples from other records. There aren't any. So that's what, one of the things about the Zar Keys is, you know, 7L can pick out, you know, some crazy records, but then with him and Jeremy from the Zarkees, they can recreate or take it in a new direction with original music. So, but, you know, it might be able to trick some people into sounding dirty or sounding like it's a sample from an old record, which is, you know, important to us because we grew up in the era where you could sample anything willy nilly and just go crazy, kind of like how Doom would sample Spider Man and his amazing friends or, or Sade, which is. You know, it's that's not sample snitching. I, I think everyone shouts that from the rooftops. So everybody understands. Um, and it's it's uh yeah, so it's adapting to to the 2021 rules and, and, and making it work. That's interesting. You talking about this project not having samples and being a reflection of a certain time capsule. One of the things this album does masterfully, in my opinion, is pays homage with its artwork to an issue of Daredevil from 85 and the original penciler, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong, David Machuvelo? Am I saying that right? Yeah. No, I don't know how to pronounce it. That's one of the funny things about, about comic books. Um, when you grow up reading these things and when you grow up in an era before the internet where you could just go on YouTube and say, how is this pronounced? And they will, you know, say it back to you. You're left, you know, if there's no cartoons or involving some of these characters, you're liable to call Magneto Magneto or I um, mm. can't think of any other examples. But I feel like that's a common uh, situation where people pronounce names wrong. However, they're not getting the audio of the name. They're, they could be just as well read about a certain character or artist or creator, but they're only reading the name. And they're not hearing the name. So how right. it's pronounced is how it, it, it falls on your eyes and your brain interprets it. So I don't think there's any, um, uh, you know, shame in mispronouncing these type of things. Now, when people mispronounce, uh, if they say Eric B. and Rakim, or they say Ja Rule the Damaja, things like that. <laughs> well, you know, these guys are saying their names and the songs and so forth. And, and if you were you know, really listening to this music, you should know how the, those things are pronounced. You know, so you should be spelling doom with all caps. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you should be spelling doom with all caps. Um, and that's, you know, that's the power of of doom as an artist, where you can um, drop a song like that based on a, a, a lyric and have a legion of fans that will correct anybody that casually spells it lowercase, you know? Yeah. I think that's yeah. a testament to his influence. Absolutely, it really is. Now, speaking of his influence and influence with language, would Doom have been your first time hearing a rapper dropping a comic book reference on a track? Would Doom have been your first? Uh, no, I think my first was Prince Marky D, uh, the Fat Boys. He had said, Peter Parker, known as Spider-Man, uh, something really early. I, I forget how the, the rhyme ends, but that was probably my first time hearing an MC drop a superhero reference. And I really, I think throughout the years, if you really fine tooth comb it, you can find more. But then I would say one of the more prevalent ones would be Deck with swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider Man. Right. Right. Of course. Uh, of course. And. You, you know, you, you got to kind of look at the timeline where Protect Your Neck came out, right? And then you got to look at the reinvention of, of Zev Love X as MF Doom. And that was mid-90s. Uh, and I don't have an exact date, of course. But uh, when the Final Limb Records came out, and he came out, you know, under the guise of MF Doom. And obviously very influenced by Dr. Doom. And that really blew my mind and, and gave me... Uh, really reinvigorated me as an artist and that was just really when we were starting out as recording artists we were just kind of fans that would freestyle before that 
and then you know we realized we could actually get into studios and try some of this, these things out but doom was already kind of a seasoned artist under uh you know who'd already been uh signed to a major label and uh, i know you've been doing this a long time and i feel like for a fan of the music from 86 to 96 like myself there was there always seemed to be this wall between artists that were on major labels and artists you were exposed to pre-96 and then everyone post-96 for some reason there's something that that you know 86 to 96 to me though these, these are the gods and anyone after that is somebody that's you know a, a peer and that might just be something in my mind but doom was able to exist in both worlds as a as a god and um it just, you know, more power to, to him for that, being able to, you know, be Zev Love X and inspire a whole yeah. bunch of kids and be MF Doom and inspire even more, much, much more kids without the major label push and so forth, you know? Here we go. New MF Doom and Sarface collab. Hopefully I said Sarface right. Sar, Sarface. Sarface? Sarface, affronte-t-il MF Doom de nouveau? Available now on getondown.com. We're here with the gentleman of Sarface. Yeah, yeah. Sarface, Wu-Tang, MF Doom gang. Do you prefer for one of you to be like colloquially known as Sar and the other face, or is it really like an elision of the two together? It's Sarface. Buy it now on vinyl, CD, and cassette. Okay. 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 Soul surviving, dude so conniving, never stop driving. They pussy like a don't let them sit behind you when you're driving. Might even think you're talking about them when you're rhyming. Or to keep this toolie in the lining. Or to thank the good Lord that you ain't the type zip to line them. Ain't nobody in business. Why they always spying? This new release, of course, also comes with a comic book written by yourself and illustrated by Benjamin Ma, which is a creative relationship that stretches quite far back, doesn't it? Yeah. What's it like collaborating with Ma? Oh, uh, he's probably the most professional person that I've worked with in any, any capacity, uh, truly on the, whether, you know, if I'm thinking about everyone I worked with musically and anyone I worked with in the comic book field, he is the guy that is the most selfless, um, uh, enthusiastic, uh, non gatekeepy, uh, just very willing to make decent sequential art great great, i mean the guy was grammy nominated for his art he he just he's somebody that i've spoken to a lot and he's just very uh you know generous with a a wealth of information because he's been in the, the comic industry for so long he understands how all of it works and you know me being a an mc producer first and a probably a comic book writer second there's some type of humble approach that you have to kind of take with somebody as as accomplished as him but there's no bs with him and he he's like well let's do it like this or let's do it like that and if you do it like he's just a very thorough artist that understands and he he can he can write comics as well as he can draw them and he's just a very gifted individual I, you know with Zarface, i've just been or we've all been just so fortunate to work with a lot of talented artist in the comic book medium how did you guys meet um i think we probably met on the internet if i if i, if I can remember correctly because you know i think he, he went to syracuse in upstate new york but he he's from canada um and i think I, i'm drawing a blank of how we first connected but i was probably just drawn to his art and i probably had reached out to him via email or instagram which is doesn't sound very um, romantic, but this is where a lot of things happen these days, you know, and, and yeah. you know, you, you don't really, you'll, you'll see a lot of stories develop that way now because as maybe, it's just a, a real convenient way to, to talk to people and there's no really getting around that. You want, you want to have a, a great story with how you, You've met everyone, of course, in life because, you know, we were alive before the Internet. And when we connected with Inspector Deck, that was all pre-Internet stuff. And, and 
right. did everything in person. And, and then, you know, you send beat tapes on cassette, and things like that. And it's just a, it's a different time. And I think a lot of people understand that and they won't, they aren't as surprised by connection that way. You know, if you look at Hollywood movies, a lot of people are, are, are cast in movies due to a connection that was made on Twitter or a reaction on Instagram yeah. or a viral YouTube video. So it's, um, you know, it's how it happens these days, which is, you know, you, you want to be in a foxhole with someone and have a great story, but, <laughs> but usually it's done through Gmail, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a time you mentioned, of course, first collaborating with Dak uh, back in, what, uh, 98, 99. And we're talking about a time that had and held very much a different weight when it came to features, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was a very different time. It wasn't so much of a prerequisite to have features on an album. As you know, you probably know, a lot of times when people drop a record now, whether you love the artist or not, the first thing on everyone's mind is who are the guests? Who are the features, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and back then when we did a record with Deck from Wu-Tang, who was fresh off of a, this great record with, um, with Pete Rock and Corrupt and True Master. Yeah. And, and um, right. the, the Wu-Tang records, of course, it was just probably uh, surprising to a lot of people when we were able to make that record happen. And, um, and that actually fostered a relationship. It was the, the seed that that kind of let our relationship with Deck grow into what it is now. Because we kept in touch throughout the years, and you know, exchanged beats back and forth, and and it grew into a situation where, you know, Zarface happened, and now you know we're, we're good friends and kind of understand how how each other work, and that that all really came with speaking real words in '98 which comic book fans, some of them consider to be Zarface's first appearance, which is kind of a cool, if you're a comic book fan, you know? That's great. That's great. Speaking of comic books and collaborations, what can you tell me about working with Method Man for Nightcrawler, which happens to be named after Dave Cockerham's super mutant creation from 1975? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Working with Method Man was was an honor. Uh, it was very much so put together by Deck. So Deck, obviously being a member of Wu Tang Clan, he can ask Jizza, he can ask Method Man, he can ask Ghostface, like hop on these records and, and they do it, you know, out of the strength of their relationship. Um, and Method Man was one of these guys, and um, you know. Deck had broken down the concept of the of Zarface to Meth and and you know, Meth the man just does what he does. He's always uh flawless execution, one of the greatest MCs, natural MCs of all time. And the term the, the, the record was called Nightcrawler because in the music you hear the, the, the woman singing and she's not saying Nightcrawler, but it almost sounds like she's saying Nightcrawler. So it sound it's to me, I was like, we're gonna call that record Nightcrawler. And um, I'm not going to say it led to me writing a, a story, an X-Men story for Nightcrawler. But eventually down the line, uh, there was a, a holiday special through Marvel, an X-Men holiday special uh, that they had asked me to write um, a short story for. And that was based on Nightcrawler. So I was able to write a Nightcrawler uh, story in a, a Marvel comic, a Marvel X-Men comic, which is just something that you know i would happily fall on my sword and quit music entirely uh, and be happy with having done that by virtue of the music so it's definitely one of the many moments for yourself in your career isn't it's it? a it's a really big one and uh i don't know how to say this but if that's where it stopped i would feel fulfilled and so so grateful um but the more music we make, the more things that, you know, we, we continue chasing um, something and maybe chasing the perfect song, chasing, uh, I don't know, there's something that drives us to 
keep making keep making records. We love doing it. And when we work as you know, three or four of us, you know, with deck, it, it just makes it that much more special. And I think after making a, a record that led to a relationship with Marvel, um, I should be able to feel fulfilled and kind of settle down. But we, we're still going. We're still inspired and we're still making records. And really, right now, I feel as inspired as I ever have. I spit bomb, kill him softly with this song. Click strong, this ain't nothing like a chick song. Big John, in the shower with a big blonde. Switch on the pal, little sow in the big bomb. I'm big home, y'all ain't living till you live long. Big bone, honey, trying to keep me in the friend zone. I touch down, try and put it in a ring zone. Pimp bone, and I dip bone, like I'm Jim Jones. Yes, y'all, heard the rest, who the best, y'all? You slept, dog, I'm a threat, what you rep, dog? Respect, dog, here's a bone, go and fetch, dog. Mr. Map, y'all, my favorite letter is F, y'all. You mentioned writing for Marvel. How did your lyrical background contribute to writing for that specific issue? And how did the experience of writing compare to writing an album? Uh, well, before I was writing, you know, lyrics, I was making my own comics when I was a kid. And nice. yeah, you know, finding a printing copy machine at the library and, and stapling them together and making my own comics. So I, I think I was writing comic dialogue before writing Ron. So, so I was inventing my own superheroes and supervillains before I had first heard Ron DMC. Um, so it was a way to go back and revisit that part of my life to, you know, write comics. And Zarface has been a vehicle to make the music and write the comics. So I'm, I'm kind of doing two things that I've always wanted to do in their fullest capacity to a degree, you know, but, you know, doing something with Marvel is just insane. And it's, it's been, it's been great. I, I, as far as the lyrics in hip hop and the writing of dialogue within a comic book, I think some of my sarcasm or um, bravado or braggadocio, there's, there's certain things with wordplay that, that you can put into both worlds. You know, whether you're you're drafting like a punchline for a song or you're delivering some type of sarcastic quote from a supervillain or superhero or something that something Peter Parker would say or Spider-Man would say first, you know, they there's things you can take from both and, and put into both. And I think there's a lot of similarities between the two art forms. That's interesting. This album kicks off with a feature from DMC, who, like you, found his earliest foundation before hip-hop in the form of comics. He's also got a relationship with comics himself, having released comics. Did you get the chance to talk to DMC during the process for this album and, and maybe reflect on, you know, those Silver Age comics you dig? It's always been a constant in your work as an artist as well as a fan, right? Oh, without a doubt, man, yeah. I've spoken to DMC at um, Comic-Cons in the past, so we've had a little bit of a relationship through the comics before the music. Um, nice. So there's been, you know, my son has met him before, and um, we had a, you know, probably in our exchanges, uh, you know, it, it'd be me, more me as a fan, obviously speaking to dmc it's just like wow you know you have to you have to mm. meet my son because this will be the the only time <laughs> that you're ever in the same room together and I, I you know i had no idea that you know a few years later we'd be making a record together and uh we have reflected on on our love of comics and he is without a doubt one of the easiest people to work with enthusiastic um we have other uh music together that's not out yet um and, nice. but but i think working with dmc is just uh i can't find the right analogy but when you dedicate your life to this art form and you get to work with one of the first rappers you've ever heard that set you on this path. You just have to be as grateful as, as can be, 
you know, uh, Run DMC did so much for so many people and everyone we worked with, you know what I mean? Even, even Deck and Doom and Dell and any artist we work with, you can trace that relationship back to Run DMC. There's no, um, yeah. you know, you can't argue that. These guys are absolute icons. And for him, for DMC yeah. to, to work with us, find our stuff interesting. And it's just amazing that he contributed to the album. I'm just so happy about that. Is there a timeline for when we can hear these other joints you've got together? Um, not yet. You know, there's so many moving parts, man. I mean, yeah, there are Zarface records. There are records that I, I've done on my own that are I feel could exist in a Zarface world. And finding a, a time to release them all, I, I would say that a lot of our fans make the comment that, you know, we don't stop releasing music. We're giving them, you know, record after record after record after record. <laughs> There's no lull, you know, in the, in the 90s, as you might know, because I can, you know, I know that you know a ton of, of shit. Uh, some of our favorite groups of all time would have a two, three-year gap between dropping albums, mm. right? Like Gangstar and EPMD or Boogie Down Productions. I don't, I can't yeah. quite put the timeline on it, but there'd be years, you know? And yeah. with Zarface, we keep uh, putting records out probably every year. 2020, Super What was going to come out in 2020. And That's but right. COVID sidelined that. So, we, you know, we didn't have anything come out that year, but, you know, it's because of COVID-19 and then everything got really funky and, and strange, uh, you know, when Doom passed. That was just very uh hard to accept and hard to come come to grips with and we were were sitting on an album in a warehouse um, that was already finished and it it put you know a different feel on the release for us and we didn't want we could have put it out in january you know but that certainly didn't seem like the right time yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to ride any type of wave like that. So we wanted to wait as long as we could and make sure everything was cool on the end of, uh, you know, Doom's estate and, and so forth before, you know, we put the put the album out. So we waited a while and, um, you know, eventually it came out, which is which is great. It is. What was the starting point for this project? Every project additionally has two to three songs that usually define and start a project. What was the song in the case of Super What? That's uh, interesting, man. It, you know, I would say that... It's a good question. I'm, gonna, I'm going to look at the track listing right now. And let me see. I would say probably Doom Unto Others was one of the first records. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Doom Unto Others was, but with this record, man, it's so different than any of our other albums, the way it feels to me personally, because of everything surrounding it. So I, I feel like a lot of the, how it happened is, is not a blur, but it's something that I haven't really dug back into. With Zarface meets Metal Face, Bomb Throne was the impetus for that record. You know, right. I know, I know that, that was one of the anchor songs and, and Phantoms. With Phantoms, we had this beat and we had Kendra Morris sing the hook and she had this thing about Phantoms. You know, so I said, I said to Doom, I said, this joint is going to be about, a lot of the songs we do aren't really about anything specific. It's about the fun of rhyming and punchlines and references to strange things and whatever. But with Phantoms, that was a concept record. And, you know, I, I, I said, Look, this, this joint is going to be about Phantoms. And he, he delivered. And um, so those records I can look back at as, you know, um, what do you call them? Not milestones, but pivotal points in the the production of that album 
I fought a ghost to my apartment, he had too many hit points He bested me and told me I should have invested in Bitcoin And then he lit joints and offered me a fancy can He drove a phantom, then he started singing Fantagram Well damn, I'm like, isn't this convenient? It didn't take a genius to sniff it as something fiendish He introduced himself and said, what's your name? For the next four days, we played the exquisite corpse game I sold my soul to him for some new high tops Told the phantom guys my hand and I drew Cyclops Best friend when we were making this album, it's you had Czarface and you had Metal Face. And a lot of the times in the cartoons and comic books and the stories that, you know, it's kind of a meeting ground, a meeting point for all of us. These type of characters would face off and fight. And I thought if we marketed it as Czarface versus Metal Face, it would be uh, pretty pretty cool you know just for the fans and, and fans would know that it was like a friendly competition it wasn't like it was like those verses right situations right. where it's not a uh you know a, a slug fest uh blood blood duel <laughs> it's a celebration it's a celebration yeah you know um but doom was quick to uh insist on it being a Zarface and MF Doom working together as a team, which I think is interesting because it shows you where his head was at. And it made me feel as though, um, you know, we were all in the same squad. And that was something that, that you know, it was inclusive. It made me feel good because when you're, you're working with Doom or you're working with Deck, these guys are people that are in just a, an upper echelon. And um, uh, me, 7L, the Zarkis, we, we do everything we can to, to keep up with these guys and make a cohesive record. And Doom suggesting that we do it together, it put me in a different place. And it put me in a good place. And it made me feel as though we were uh, uh, equal partners in it, you know, despite you know, Doom's legacy and so forth. It was just a, a nice gesture in my mind. And it just really opened a lot of doors for, for making more music, I think, you know, and that led to super what after we had done it, I just felt like, wow, we made one album, you know, let's make another album. And he was down to make another album. And, and this is, you know, a blessing. How does the collaboration with Dow come about for Jason and his Argonauts? Okay, well, with that record, I, I, I had reached out to Domino from Hyro, um, and I wanted to talk to Dell about doing the joint, and uh, they were they were down to do it. Just very, they were familiar with Zarface, which was great to hear. I I had toured Europe with Dell back in the nineties for maybe two months, and it's a long it was, stretch. Yeah, it was, it was long, and, and it was Dell and Casual, and these are guys that we had grown up listening to, we were heavily influenced by, and our first really long tour of Europe was with them. So um, we had a rapport from that, and but we had never worked again since then, since, you know, touring. And I think their familiarity and respect for the project uh, was, you know, evident because, you know, Dell was down to do it and just for, for fun. And, and uh, you know, I, I would love to work with Dell again. Um, and Dell was actually, I feel like there, there's a certain tier of MCs that make a lot of sense together on an album and or on a record. And, Dell and Doom mm. exist in that that realm, and I don't know if they had uh, maybe they had one record together before this. I might maybe might not even be one of them, but I kind of hold them in a similar regard. Artists that you know go against the grain, buck the trend, and and, and they're not the, the typical MC, and they stand out by virtue of you know the fact that they'll go in a different direction 
or they'll use these different words or different deliveries, or different looks. So cool Keith, Dell, Doom, you know as well as I do, these guys have these, their their own chambers, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. They make sense as collaborations to be on the same project together, and I think it translates with this new album. Oh, word, that's great to hear. Talk to me about your upcoming graphic novel, Zalface, A Star is Born, which is available for pre-order now at z2comics.com. How much creativity have you found in penetrating the mystery of what's been described as Zalface's ultimate origin? <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, pressure in that because I've attempted to flesh out his origin in the past on our first Weapon Drawn album, which is an instrumental album that comes with a comic book and that kind of gave him one origin story that I think was a little bit far-fetched, a little bit hard to grasp, a little bit maybe too cosmic. And um, with Z2 approaching us about doing this, it, it gives us kind of a clean slate to try to re, uh, reinterpret his beginnings. I mean, a lot of it is, is similar. A lot of it is, is connected to Zarface's beginnings as you know a a a wrestler in you know a a common earthly uh scenario that that gets into some real cosmic shit later but um i I had a lot of fun writing it 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 was kind of a project to do during lockdown while everyone is you know freaking out about Mm. ramifications of of covid 19 myself included um but I was able to, as my, my wife helps me realize, when I'm working on something, my mind is off the pandemic and all the, the result, you know, everything that comes along with that. So if I'm yeah. recording lyrics or I'm writing, it gets me into a different place and gets, you know, I can actually quell, put, put aside, hold back the anxiety and, and so forth. So writing this graphic novel was something that kind of came along through Z2, but it it was very uh, therapeutic for me throughout the whole process. Now, it's illustrated by Ariel Oliverte, who infamously worked on DC's limited Space Ghost, which revealed the character's origins for the time. What kind of conversations did you have with each other about translating Zarface's universe and such an important and personal story for you? Yeah, well, well... You know, he's such a talented artist, just such a, a gifted, gifted artist that can create scenarios based off of my dialogue, Wh- whatever I had wrote. It's funny when you work with an artist, when you're writing a comic book, you have these ideas, but and when you articulate them to the artist, especially somebody like him, as accomplished as, as he is they're already there you know if i was explaining to 7l or deck this scenario where czarface is in a street fight in a garage and you know how they would draw it or illustrate it would not <laughs> as complete interest it would it wouldn't um like Ari, he, he gets it he already knows and working in a world where for some reason I get to work with these professional artists, they already know where I'm at before uh, I over-explain the situation. And it's been a learning experience because, I, as I said, I was writing comic books before I was rapping, but never, on a, never even close to a professional level. So when you get thrown into a situation where you're actually interacting with pros, you don't want to be the guy that overexplains something to somebody that already knows right. how it goes. Has already drawn, uh, you know, people from, from Space Ghost to Venom to the Punisher, and just gets it and has worked on the main stage before. And we're really lucky to to have him working on the book. It's just uh, something that I have to kind of keep my guard up, uh, not keep my guard up, but keep you know, understand it, that I have to let them do their job because they get it, they understand it, and they can probably interpret 
the story I'm trying to tell through the art as effectively as I can do it through the words, you know, and it's part of, it's why they, they're pros at what they do. It's very much the same unspoken language you have with Doom we're talking about, isn't it? Like you say, he just gets it. There's a frequency you share together and it's, it doesn't always have to be spoken about. Right. Yes, totally. Somebody, uh, like him who's who's been in the in the industry for years working with people that had inspired me and, and put me on this path um it's hard to uh come up with an idea that they haven't already heard or, already, or a path that they haven't already traveled you know when we're li- listening to beats and i i hear a beat that's just insane insane mm. and i'm in the studio with deck deck isn't nodding his head and i'm like well what don't you hear about this beat you know and and i have to remember the deck has been on bring the ruckus triumph and guillotine swords and you know all these classic records so it might be tougher for him to get to a place of um inspiration that i'm already at because you know somebody like myself you could say that i've been trying to make of 36 chambers my whole life right so he had already he made his 36 chambers and when i have uh you know 7l makes a beat that sounds like in my mind um uh glaciers of ice or or, or whatever criminology or something and dex like eh, it sounds kind of old school to me does that happen much that's <laughs> happened a few times yeah it probably put a put an effect on on 7L's production where you know we'll be in the studio and me and 7L on this you know in the same place with the beat and we're like this is gonna sound insane yeah especially when deck gets on it and then we play it for deck and he doesn't really react to it it's uh it it boggles my mind but you have to understand that he's been part of yeah. records above the clouds and it's just so many records that, that, so many. that resonate with people across the planet and are really timeless so that initial jolt you get from hearing what people would call a banger or whatever uh you know he might not always get that the way i get it because i you know my imagination will take me to this place where we're making a record that's on par with those type of things you know what i mean and but he's already lived through it you know i and I've been on stage with Deck performing Triumph and performing uh, Above the Clouds and, and performing Protect Your Neck just as, as his hype man. But, you know, during Zarface sets, he will right. do these songs and I'll be there backing him up. And he's lived all of this, uh, you know, decades ago. Let's take it back to 79. Upon atomically, Socrates, philosophies, and hypotheses. Can't define how I be dropping these mockeries. Lyrically perform armed robbery. Flee with the lottery. Possibly they spotted me. Battle scarred showgun. Explosion when my pen hits. Tremendous. Ultraviolet shine blind forensics. I inspect view through the future. See millennium. Killer bees sold 50 gold, 60 platinum. Now, what's it like collaborating with Ghostface on a project? I. Uh, it was great. Uh, I would feel like. I'd almost say my conversations with Ghostface have been just as rewarding, just as something I'd want to share with other people as the music. Um, you know, the records we've made together have been a lot of fun. My favorite is Savagely Attack, you know, with the first record we did together on the first Zarface album. Um, but speaking to him, there's no difference between the music the rhymes that you hear and when you're speaking mm-hmm. to a person you're that what you see is what you get so you hear a, a skit on a wu-tang album or whatever draws you to the charisma of, of ghostface that's ghost that is what is that's what it's like yeah i mean we've had conversations where you know he's telling me that uh you know in europe he saw cows running and we'll will ask me when I when's the last time I saw a cow run and I'm just sitting there and I can't think of <laughs> running <laughs> right <laughs> um, uh, and just 
kind of traveling down health the the the, the route of healthy eating and, and and GMOs and all that type of stuff. Yeah, those conversations I have with him are something that are just as special as the music itself. He's a, a true a true original, you know. Absolutely, he really really is. Bring it back to this new graphic novel which is coming out this summer do any of the themes on this album seep into the book specifically i feel like that's one of those things where we kind of keep it somewhat separate however the group itself is involved in the graphic novel so you know you will see me and 7l and inspect the deck in the graphic novel um and i i've come up with a way to to bring the actual group into the world of the, the character. Um, right. And that, you know, I think when people see the book, they'll, they'll, they'll understand what I'm talking about. Nice, nice. Well, speaking of the character a little more in depth, can you talk about working with Lamour for the creation of Zarface as a character visually for his earliest conception, which heavily leans into the influence of this golden age of comics and specifically Jack Kirby. Did the look for Zarface as a character change many times over during this creation? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're working with a, with a pen as, as deadly as Lamore's, you can take it in any direction. So if he wants to add missiles to Zarface's forearm, or he wants to give him a, a, a cape that's tethered or a cape that's perfect, he can do that, and I think a lot of the energy that keeps comic book fans coming back are the different looks of a lot of the iconic characters. You know, if you have Batman in a gray suit or Batman in an all-black suit, switching up the look kind of keeps people engaged, um, and Lamore is capable of doing that. So when we originally had come up with the idea of Zarface, and I had approached him about making this character, I knew he was the artist to do it because I saw some of his previous work and it just had this style that reminded me of Jack Kirby. Uh, yeah. But he, he really can do anything. So, you know, I remember he drew Zarface in a way and he's like, this is my Todd McFarlane style and whatever, whatever. He's just so talented of a guy, you know, and we're, we're deeply rooted in Silver Age, Bronze Age, really gold to any type of comic book so and he speaks the language and we had spoken i i had told him how i want this character Zarface to look and he really put that whole situation on steroids i think i referenced a few different characters pre-existing characters like ultron and uh you know he made it he made it happen and and he's this he's his own guy now that has action figures and uh it's comic books it's i it's very, very cool. Very dope. <laughs> very dope. Have you had many artists reach out to you off the strength of these, you know, references and tributes to your comic book heroes in your music? Um, yeah, yeah. Being able to connect with people, modern day artists that, have, you know, said they were fans of Zarface, maybe because of the art or the content of the music or just the, the music alone has been very, um, very cool to put it into perspective. You know, when you have this, uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. When you grow up with all of these characters and you see the artists today that have taken these characters further into um, worlds that the cinematic universe, my, for ideas and and brings into you know uses the ideas for it. and these people are inspired by your music or dig your music enough to share it online it's just super cool you know whether it be ryan otley who had a huge spider-man run and and an invincible run invincible's incredible series that you know is now an animated series on on amazon um or donny cates there's a lot of uh, um working artists today that dig our music it's, it's just great you must get bugged out every time you see an artist like a james gunn or a tom hardy rocking a zarface hoodie or a t-shirt though right oh oh without a doubt without a doubt i mean i told um james james gunn when i started i told him that you know this is like you know seeing george lucas 
rocking a uh, if I was in a band in, in the, the early '80s or something or the late '70s, there was George Lucas on the set wearing my shirt. I mean, holy shit! So this will, over the context of time, it might be become might become, you know, more special to people uh, outside of myself. It's special to me now because I'm looking at it in the context of the way movies like Guardians of the Galaxy or Infinity War, Endgame, these things have an impact on my son, who is, you know, he's 12 now, but when these movies came out, he's a little, little bit younger. And I just look for kind of a, a similarity between when I was impacted by the Star Wars movies and, and everything inspired by Star Wars along the way as a kid. Um, these things are timeless and uh, being even being a, a freckle on the body of that work by having the director or somebody like Tom, an actor like Tom Hardy wearing a sweatshirt, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know what else needs to be said. I feel great. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's not, it's not, it's not what else needs to be said, but it's a situation where in the hip hop world, I love, you know, a lot of different artists and, you know, a lot of different artists like we do or whatever. But when you're an MC, you don't necessarily want to rock somebody else's shit because it's all about you. So when you have an, a movie director or a Hollywood actor, an established, tremendous actor wearing something uh, that you created um, and they're not necessarily knee deep in the the actual industry of hip hop it means a, it means a lot and you've always had some crazy fans listening to your music i remember reading an issue of hhc back in the day and reading about somebody uh from the cast of er that listened to seven and nsl oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow i have to say, man you know that's how you know that that you've been doing it for a long time cuz I, I want to see that article because I can't recall that, but I feel like those are the type of things that I would recall, would you know, hold dearly and keep in the back of my mind. Um, right. I would love to, to know. It wasn't George Clooney by any chance, was it? <laughs> I, I I feel like it could have been. You know, it could have been. I can't recall off top, and I should know off top, like you just said. But it's um, like you say, it's a testament to this work and legacy you've been putting in for the longest time. What does the future hold for Zarface and Esoteric? Uh, we have a, a lot cooking. We have a lot, and a lot that I, I would love to talk about, but I, I can't talk about, or else, you know, I feel like, yeah, you know, you have your finger on the pulse of the entire genre of hip hop, you know, in the world that we exist in, and you probably see that a lot of people get excited, and maybe I have idle hands, and want to announce projects. And they don't ever happen. I'm very careful not to do that. So I don't like to promote things until they're finalized, until it's locked up. I, I feel like a lot of rappers or producers will hop onto Twitter or Instagram and say, yo, me and so-and-so are working on this album. You guys, it's going to blow your fucking minds. And that's coming from a place of ex genuine excitement. And I understand that. But you have, I, in my experience, you kind of have to hold that back and, um, you know. Be self-contained. Yeah, because I think you're only creating head, headaches for yourself, stress for yourself, and letdown for the fans if it doesn't happen, right? So uh, we have a lot of things in the works. It's just things that I can't really announce yet. And that's just because I'm, I want to make sure that they come to fruition first. I, and of course. really, you know, like when we're working on every hero needs a villain, Method Man contributed to the song, to, to the album, Doom, Jizza, R.A. the Rugged Man, you know, these type of things. I could have just updated people as each song was done. Like, oh man, Rugged Man just, just, just uh, recorded this crazy verse. But I find that like there's more value in the surprise of it. 
and and the impulse of just seeing all this stuff um, for the first time, like that track listing with the, with our records uh, for the first time. I think that's how I would like to experience it, rather than knowing that so and so was working on this album with another guy, and it's been five years in the making, and by that time my expectations for it are through the roof and my perception is already affected by the whole wait period. So would I really be able to enjoy the record the same way um, as if it was, were a surprise to me, like a lot of the things that we experienced when we were in our early formative years in the eighties and nineties, when a new episode of X-Men or Spider-Man came out, you didn't know, who the villain was going to be a week beforehand. There were no leaks. There was nothing like that. It was just a, a natural surprise. And I think it made music and animation cartoons that much more exciting and, and entertaining. It really magnified the value, didn't it, to yeah. that era? I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. And I was wondering if in closing this interview, we could ask about your legacy now with Wu-Tan, which is, you know, yourself, let's face it, forever being a part of that lineage. What does it feel to now be associated with that Wu-Tan family tree? Um, I think that's all perception. I don't feel as though I won't even wear a Wu-Tang shirt <laughs> as much as I want to. Like, you know, the classic Wu-Tang shirt with the W, like right. maybe like a faded logo. I would love to wear that. But I just have this thing where people would see me in that shirt and say, oh, look, he thinks he's part of Wu-Tang because he makes these records with Inspector Deck. And I wouldn't want to give anyone that satisfaction. So it's, it's probably all up in my head. But I don't um, consider myself... Um, anywhere on that tree I'm, I'm incredibly grateful fortunate lucky to have worked with many of the, the prominent guys in wu-tang clan but you know czarface is its own thing if um it wasn't you would we would have tried to incorporate the wu-tang w onto czarface projects you know and that's not a route that we wanted to do we wanted to make our own thing and deck wanted to make his own thing and be part of a, something new. Um, you know, I feel very, as I said, super lucky to, for somebody that might be researching music down the line, years down the road. And you go from Wu Tang to inspect the deck. And then you see, Oh, okay. Esoteric work with respect that. And you can, you know, there's a, just only maybe two step two two degrees of separation from one of the most iconic hip hop groups of all time. Incredibly lucky to do that, you know. But as Deck, you know, has said to me before, even with all of the spin-off groups from Wu Tang throughout the years, there's nine nine members of Wu Tang. Ten, really. And and that's how it is. That those are the guys. And that's, you know, I agree with them. I think that's just how it should be. Completely agree. And before we wrap, did you ever hear anything from the mythical Doom and Ghostface project, Doomstocks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I have not, no, I haven't heard any of the, uh, uh, all of their collaborations that are out for people to hear. I've yeah. Of course, heard anything other than that. I have not. Um, and I have such a respect for the, you know, the hype behind that project and the fans um desire for that project that you know we deliberately kept doom and ghost appearances off of the respective Zarface records so we did hmm. we did Zarface versus ghostface and we did Zarface you know meets Zarface meets ghostface Zarface meets doom a couple a couple a couple different times and probably uh could have you know put Doom and Ghostface on a lot of, you know, the same tracks, but out of, you know, just respect for what the fans want from those two on a full length album. I didn't want to, I don't know. It's, it sounds strange, of course, because who, who wouldn't want to, you know, we had a 
opportunity to make that make that record happen and i just thought well this 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 ghost doom record um deserve, deserves its own lane and i don't want to interfere with that in the Zarface world so we're going to let that materialize on its own and what's recorded is recorded and hopefully it sees the light of day at one point um i hope to hear it because i'm sure it'll be incredible but uh yeah well let's hope we hear it one day esoteric thank you for joining us on this episode of fly fidelity it's been a pleasure man yeah dude i'm so 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 thankful we were able to get together and, and uh knock it out man i'm glad been a long time coming. Like I say, I remember you including our intro from Conspiracy Worldwide on Boston Pharaoh for the limited yeah. run CD. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was a it was a great gorilla style sample sample. You, uh, you know, we really only if we're going to sample somebody, it's somebody that we respect highly. And I know you do a really thorough job with with all of this this stuff that we do, and and all of our peers in the industry you know you know your shit and so we're happy to be be doing something like this seven l esoteric and inspector deck of wu-tang clan are sarface in an all-new action-packed adventure with mf doom yes super what with special guests DMC of Run DMC, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, and more. Available now. Then I got the Quinjet, Fry was even in yet. Scott Lang couldn't hang out, chin checked an insect. I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh-oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My people saw you with me where you were.